Cool. Good morning, everybody. Woo! Just hear those faithful whoops, and then you know it's going to be a good morning. How are we doing? Are we good? Are we cold? Hot in here. Love that. Neil with his leg up on that chair. Come on, somebody. Believing for healing in the name of Jesus. Any Manchester United fans in the house? Ah, unlucky. I stand with you in empathy. Um, I feel for you this morning, man, and um, we have got prayer afterwards. Is Murray Brown here? Where's Uncle Murray? Uncle Murray, man, sh- tough one there, hey? hard lines. God bless you, sir. I really don't care. I'm a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. He's good. He's on the throne. Whoa, flip. We got some hands. <laughs> so good to see everybody today. My name is Phil, and I'm a pastor at Revive Church, and really great honor and privilege to be able to share God's word today. I feel like he wants to speak to us. I think he wants to share something for us. And um, we're in the middle of a 1 Peter series. Who's been enjoying us traveling through the book of 1 Peter and unlocking God's word. And there's been such amazing truths that have come from these first two weeks. And really my prayer and hope today is that we can again gain something from the word of God. Who knows that the word of God is alive and well? Man, when we read the word and when we tuck into the Bible, God reveals and illuminates so much to us. And that's really what we're trying to do over these few weeks is get into the the source of life and the source of change. Because great ideas and great opinions, they can be inspiring and often motivating, but it's really only the Word of God that can bring life change and breakthrough. And for us as a church, that's really what we want to lean into. And today we're in our 1 Peter series, and we're in week three. And the whole premise of the series, we've called it Outsiders, because what what, what Peter is trying to do in this is he's trying to speak to the Christian people that have now been exiled and have find themselves in a culture that is foreign to theirs and foreign to the teachings of the Word of God. It's an incredibly difficult moment for them because they really want to live out their faith. They want to stand up and be accounted for as, as sons and daughters of God, but everything around them is different and it's counter the kingdom culture that they're trying to live out. And for me, when reading this and even thinking about this book in lead up to this, I was thinking really around this word persecution. And there were a lot of people in in early church, first century, second century church, early believers, they were persecuted for their faith. And for me, I was like, I can't find a lot of common ground with this word persecuted because here in Cape Town and South Africa, um, I'm not persecuted for being a Christian. I don't know if, there, if there's anybody here that, that maybe you find yourself sometimes in a place of persecution, maybe, maybe you're made fun of or whatever the deal is. But really, when I ask myself the question, am I persecuted for being a Christian and for coming to church in, in a beautiful school and worshiping? I really don't find that is, I really don't find that's my, my reality. And then we look at, at culture. And culture today is actually, and maybe my experience of it, it feels like it's a lot about acceptance. Everything is fine. Everything is okay. You do you. You do what you want to do. If, if it makes you feel good and, and, and it makes sense to you, you do that. And culture was actually quite similar in the first and second century church with the Greek culture and the Gentile culture. Really, it was kind of similar. There were many gods to worship. There were many ways to worship. If you want to pray to the rain god for rain, you can do that. If you want to sacrifice meat to idols because your god requires that, you can do that. It was really only when you take a stand against something as a believer that culture would spit you out. I find so many similarities for us today. We're, we're reading 1 Peter. We're trying to get truths and, and things that can change our lives today. It's not being a Christian that causes us to get persecuted, but it's actually standing up for what being a Christian means and believes in the Word of God. 
today, I would love for us to leave here not thinking more of ourselves, but thinking more of the Word of God and actually being able to apply what it says and what it teaches. Can we stand up for what the truth says? Some people will tell you that it's not loving. You know, we're not being loving if we don't accept everybody as they are. And and believe me, what I'm saying today is not, hey, we turn our back on the world, we turn our back on culture. If they don't do things our way, stuff them. No, not at all. I really think we should love people. But can I tell you something? Loving somebody is sharing the truth with them. Because the world will tell you to love somebody right into eternal separation from God. For me, I love me by telling me the truth. Love me by giving me an opportunity to respond to the gospel, the living word of God. Love me so much that you can point out ways and areas of my life where I need to pull closer to God. Don't just accept me as I am because the truth is humanity as they are is flawed and broken. But who knows that we can do that in a loving way. Today we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 and I'm really going to spend a lot of time um, reading these verses and trying to get a lot from it. So if you want to take notes with me today and lean in, I'd I'd really encourage you to do that, um, even if it's just one or two things. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 10 says this, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have been, or now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Verse four, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. Last few verses. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him and who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What an amazing, encouraging scripture, these 10 verses. We're gonna go through these verses and I believe God has got three things that he wants us to take away from here today. And just a a bit of context, uh, Peter is carrying on a thought that, that already started in chapter one towards the end and it appears that he is addressing new believers, new converts to the faith. And I think what we can pull out of this scripture is, is three things that really can be quite fundamental for us as believers as we wish to live out Christian and, and God culture in a culture that is so anti-God and anti-Christian. So that's really, am I making, that's really what I'm gonna try to do today. Give us three things that we can hold on to and grab and actually take into our lives. And the first one is this, and we're gonna look at the first three verses. My first point is this, the word produces growth. 
The word produces growth. The first three verses, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Verse three, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In these first three verses, Peter is, is setting the tone for these new believers, and he's saying, you do not have to bring into this life Now that you have met Jesus, now that you have tasted salvation, you've accepted him into your heart, you you love him, you want to live out his way, you are now free from the weights that used to hold you back and slow you down in the past. The sins that once categorized how you lived, the decisions you made, what you thought was important, what you thought wasn't important. The first thing that Peter tells these people, he says, leave those things behind. Jesus has won freedom and mercy for each and every single one of us. Now, this isn't a complicated thought to communicate to the church this morning because a lot of us will be sitting here today very aware of the sins that we have in our life and often trying our very best to seek God to find freedom from these things. And and I believe the point here is quite simple. It's let us not become comfortable with the sins in our life that we've grown good at living with or the sins that we've grown good at hiding. This is the tension with Christianity and self-awareness. Is that once you meet God and you start reading his word and you start coming to church and we start learning about the culture and the ways of God, we quickly become acquainted with what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes we can fall into the trap of understanding what is right and what is wrong, but trying to find freedom for ourselves. And that leads us into guilt and shame. And then we've got things in our life and we know it shouldn't be there, but we try our best to cover our tracks, to make sure it's hidden. We don't really talk about it because we think people are gonna judge us. We think people are gonna look at us differently. Let me tell you something. There is freedom in this house today. There is freedom with the leaders in our church. There is freedom for you. Nobody expects And Peter's trying to tell them, you can walk away from these things not because the goal of Christianity is perfection. No, the goal of Christianity is to become like Jesus. And that's a process that will happen over your entire lifetime. It doesn't happen when you get saved. Today, I wanna encourage our church. If there are things in your life right now, Peter says, leave them behind. You can leave those sins. You can leave the things that make you guilty and bring shame onto your life. You can leave those things behind. Two ways, you can find somebody that you can trust, somebody in our church, a life group leader, people that you care about, people that care about you, and you can, you can confess these sins and you can go on a journey of walking and, and going through them and we can confess them to God. And scripture is quite clear about what God says. God offers us forgiveness and mercy. The scripture says, you were once a people who didn't have mercy, but now you are a people with mercy and with grace. We can leave behind the ways of the past. I think for so long, Christians are getting saved and people are coming in, they're meeting Jesus, but we still walk around with the old chains that used to hold us before we met God. God brings freedom for the body today. He brings freedom for where you're sitting. We do not have to carry on with the way things used to be. There is a new way. Scripture talks about when we meet Jesus, we are what? A new creation. Set free by the word of God. Can I get an Amen. Scripture carries on and Peter carries on this thought in these first three verses and he, spoke, and he speaks a little bit about spiritual maturity and he talks about babies. I read a commentary that said that it's very natural for babies to want to grow up. They wanna be like the older brother, they wanna be like the older sister, they want to grow up and he uses the analogy and the picture of a, a spiritual baby that cries out for milk. Now any moms in the house today that have heard this cry they know when their baby's hungry and they answer the call. 
There is a desire to grow up. There's a, a desire to, to, to get bigger, to, to take in the nutrients and to grow. Christianity is quite similar. Peter says, like the baby who cries out for spiritual milk, so we as believers need to cry out for the spiritual sustenance that we get from the word of God. Can I tell you something? There is nothing cute about a 30-year-old man in a nappy crawling around and who can't speak anymore or has never learned to speak. That's creepy. Peter wants to warn these new believers that there is a risk that you run when you get saved that the growth stops there. You can meet Jesus and you can stop right there because spiritual maturity is not automatic. It's a process of intentionality that you go on to become more like Jesus. You don't get saved and then continue to grow every day of your life. No, there's a way you do it. And Peter says, it's the word that produces growth. So a baby craves and cries out for the spiritual milk or the, the milk from his mom. So we need to cry out for the word of God. And now immediately I can sense the people in the room saying, Phil, I've got a complicated relationship with the Bible. Put your hand up, please, right now, if you've ever found the Bible confusing. Just put it up. Yeah, man. Who here has ever just done the doof? Leviticus. And you're like, oh, Jesus. You find yourself in the book of Lamentations. You're like, Lord, I need a word today. And now there's 15 cubits wide temple that use that word and lapis lazuli. I love that word. Whenever I read that in scripture, anybody knows. The Bible can be confusing if you aren't familiar with, with what it is. The Bible is a book that was written 2,000 odd years ago, the majority of it for specific people at a specific time. But the Bible is also completely inspired. God's breath on a page, able and capable to breathe life into our lives today. But if we do not have the context and understanding, okay, this is what the Bible is, this is who it is written to, but I can still take eternal truths out of it today, the Bible will be a confusing and a complicated thing to read. But let me tell you something, we can help you read the Bible. We go through it in our grow course as well, where we, where we try to help our people understand. But the Bible is something that is completely ready for you to go into and tuck into and, and get all the truths of the Word of God for you today to change your life, to help you grow and become more like Jesus. The Bible is, is, is actually incredibly simple to understand. Old Testament, New Testament. The, the Bible begins in the New Testament with the Gospels. And then it goes into the Acts of the Apostles and then the letters that Paul wrote to the different churches based on very specific issues and he writes into those issues and then it's the book of Revelation. The Bible is something that is there, it's ready for you and Paul is saying, like the baby cries out for milk, so we need to get into the word of God. Can I tell you something? I have never craved or it's rare that I have had a craving for something I've never had before. So some people are sitting in and they're saying, well, you're talking about desire. You're talking about this. I don't sit here and crave the Bible. Can I tell you something? That doesn't make you sinful. It doesn't make you less of a Christian. It doesn't make, well, you should be so hungry for the word of God. And some people here, you don't crave it because you've never experienced its goodness. You've never experienced the, the life that it breathes into you. Man, I, I crave a McFlurry every now and again. Why? Because I've had some great McFlurries in my life. I crave the word of God in my life, especially in the moments where I feel like things are derailed because I know the word of God has brought light to my path and it's guided and it's led me through the darkest moments and it's never let me down. 
talk about appetite. Some of us don't have an appetite for the word of God because we have filled up on other things. If every moment where there's a space to engage with the word of God and to spend time with him and to be in God's presence and we are filling that up with something else, the appetite for the word of God will wane. Maybe the first step for some of you is not to go onto Instagram first thing in the morning or not to go onto News 24, but to actually say, let me engage with something that is gonna breathe life into my soul before speaking and reading something that's actually gonna take something from me. I don't know about you, if I read News 24 first thing in the morning, man, that, that takes from me, that doesn't put into me. But when I open the Bible and I read about the spiritual armor of God, and I read about how God has got a plan for my life, and it's not about being perfect, and it's not about getting everything right, but I've got the Holy Spirit who walks beside me. I just feel energized and energetic and ready to take on my day. It's the Word of God that produces growth. Church, we want to be a growing church. Everybody here is a different points and parts of the journey. You might be here today, you've been saved for, for a month. Come on, somebody, that's amazing. You might be here today, you've been saved for 25 or 35 years. We are never done immersing ourselves in the Word of God. We will grow until the day we die or until Jesus comes back. Are we getting into the Word of God? Amen. My second point is this, and we're going to read four of those middle scriptures again. My second point is this, Christ is our firm foundation. Verse four, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into the spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. These next two verses are great. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone, the builders rejected, the, has become the cornerstone. Verse eight, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Peter begins to shift the thought away from spiritual growth and to the role Jesus Christ needs to play in our daily lives. There's a word that repeats itself there a few times and that's this word cornerstone. Um, and for some people, you might know what a cornerstone is, but a cornerstone has been used for a very long time uh, in building projects, in constructing temples and houses. And a cornerstone, quite simply, would be the biggest stone, the strongest stone. It would be placed in the, in the corner of the building. And from the cornerstone, the measurements and the alignments and everything else will be built based on the cornerstone. The cornerstone was placed first, the rest of the building would follow. The cornerstone was the foundation to the foundation and the rest of the building would follow. What Peter's trying to communicate to these new believers is that, listen to me, Jesus is the cornerstone of your life. You do not build your life on your plans, on your goals, on your aspirations, and then try to fit Jesus in. You put Jesus first, and then you put your plans and your goals and your aspirations that follow after that. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. You might be saying, Phil, well, I've met Jesus at 35, and I've already got a lot of stuff happening. I've got plans. I've got goals. I've got things. You can bring Jesus in, and you can begin to follow his guiding and his leadership, and he will show you the way. He will light your path to which doors to walk through, which opportunities to take and which opportunities not to take. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. I love how it says there that it's the stone that some rejected. 
what they're referring to there in this passage is the, is the Jewish people. When Jesus came, and we read it in the Gospels, when Jesus came, he didn't quite fit the image of the conquering Messiah who came to bring redemption and freedom for the Israelite people. Jesus came with another mission. But because he didn't fit their plan, they rejected him. And they put him on the cross. Today is quite similar. Some people are presented with Jesus and they reject him, not because he is complicated, not because he's hard to understand, not because there is a, you've got to be this ride or this high to get onto this ride. To have Jesus and to accept Jesus is a decision and it's a choice that all of us are freely able to make, but it is a choice. You either build your life on Jesus or you build your life on something else. Jesus is the cornerstone of your faith or you've chosen to do something else. You've chosen to build a different way. Today, I want to help us understand that lukewarm faith is not Christian faith. Peter wants, to, Peter wants to be very clear. Peter is the most loving guy in the whole world. So he loves these people. He wants to give it to them just as it is. You cannot pick half of that and half of that. You cannot pick, well, I'm going to have some Jesus there. I'm going to do that my way. And then I'm going to bring Jesus back into family life. And then when it's work, I'm going to be a pit bull again and take people out. And then when it's like that, then I'm going to do things differently. It's Jesus and then your plans. It's Jesus and then your goals. It's Jesus and then your ambitions. He is the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our life. And this is a super practical question, but you can look at your life right now and you can take verse number six, which says, what's so, and I'm gonna paraphrase, what's so amazing about the cornerstone is that you can trust in this cornerstone. Who here has placed trust in someone or something that has let them down? Placing trust in Jesus is a faith exercise because Jesus isn't here right now, but it's also one of the best decisions you could ever make because Jesus will never let you down. And I love the story, the wise man who built his house upon the rock, the wise man who built his house on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And when the storms came, when the wind blew, when the rain came rushing down, what happened to his house? It stood strong. Others will choose to build on the sand. Others will choose to build on what's temporary, possibly what feels good, possibly what's trendy right now to build on. Maybe sand was the in thing back in the day. Well, if you're not building on sand, are you even building? What are you even doing? The, the cornerstone that's so old-fashioned. When the storms come and the rains came down, his house was washed away. Today, you'll never hear someone get onto this stage, grab one of these microphones and tell you that Christian life will always be easy. We believe Christian life will be blessed. We believe God will bring favor into your life where other people don't have favor, but there will be moments when the storms come. You might be in a storm right now, but what the cornerstone promises you is that the storms can come. The rains can fall, the wind can blow. My house will not be moved. Jesus is the trustworthy foundation of my life and a scripture that I hold on to dearly is 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8 to 10. And let this encourage you if you are in a storm right now. We are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. We build on Jesus. 
man, we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed maybe, but never in despair. Because Jesus is the constant, the consistent rock on which we build. My last point is this. Time is going quick. The scripture teaches that we are saved into we. Number nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter wanted to communicate something very clearly to these new converts. The individualistic way of doing life that is so prevalent in that culture and in our culture, it's me, it's my way, I'm gonna get to the top, is not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture and God culture is we are saved into community. My destiny is wrapped up into your destiny. Where I'm strong, I'm gonna help you where you're weak. Where you're weak, you're gonna help me, or where you're strong, you're gonna help me where I'm weak. God has saved us into community. Peter teaches it. He says, as we are living stones being built into the temple, not living walls, not the whole temple, not the living roof, we are stones being built into the temple. Paul says it in Ephesians. He says, the body of Christ, Jesus at the head, we are members of the body, body parts, no one part more important than the other part, but each part working together, functioning together so that the body can achieve its goal. Jesus at the head. Today, Peter wants to remind his people and he wants to remind us as well that we are a body. We are a people that work together. What does Satan want to do? He wants to isolate the believer because when a Christian is by themselves, a Christian is vulnerable. But if you're with me, or you're with them, or you're with your life group, and things start to happen, and the storm starts to come, and the lies start to creep in from the enemy, you can have someone that say, hey, that's not from God, brother. God has got more for you in this situation. God loves your marriage. He loves your family. Stand up against the fiery attacks of the enemy. No one says that to me in my own head, because in my own head, I feel sorry for myself. In my own head, I'm like, woe is me. The world is against me. But then I've got some people who come around and say, Phil, you are better than that. Phil, the plans and purposes for your life are too big to throw it all away to die. Are you living out your Christian life in the identity as a people, not as an individual? I love the word priesthood. Who wants to be a priest? When I'm done explaining, you'll want to be a priest. He uses this word, a royal priesthood. Speaking about a group. If you read in the Old Testament, you would read about the priests. And the priests were used in the, in the temple. They were the intermediary between God and his people. They would often go into the temple. They would offer animal sacrifices mainly to atone for the sins of the people so that they could be holy once again. That was the priestly duty or one of them. But then Jesus came and he atoned for everybody's sin in a moment past, present, and future. So that duty is not there anymore, but what Peter's trying to communicate is that there are still some priestly duties for the royal priesthood to accomplish and to take part in. We are the royal priesthood. As soon as we believe in Jesus, Jesus is the king. We're welcomed into the royal family, royal priests. 
That's us. But now there's new duties. We do not have to thank the Lord, sacrifice any animals. But there's two things that Peter calls us to do. He says, one, we are to share the gospel with a broken and lost world. Give them the truth because they're a part of a culture that thinks everything is fine, everything is okay, but that's not love. That's not God. I will, in a loving way, share to them the truth of the word of God that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the first duty. The second duty, which is amazing, is this. We are to love and encourage and build up one another. The gathering on a Sunday is incredibly, incredibly important. Life group in the middle of the week is incredibly important. Doing life together is incredibly important because we are to love and build up one another. We are to take the word of God and speak it into each other. We are to walk the road with each other because we know that life has its ups and downs. Sometimes we're on the mountaintop and in other seasons we're in the valley. The role and the encouragement here for the royal priesthood is, yes, we are to take the light into the dark world, but we are to continue encouraging each other in the building as well. With each other, with the family, and the worship team can come up. Peter expresses three things that he really wants his new converts to catch. One, growth, spiritual maturity. Can we take steps by reading the word of God so that we aren't left spiritual infants till the day we die, but so that we can grow into the purpose and the calling that God has for you. The disappointment of my heart is that I feel that there is so much on the people in our church, so much calling, so much destiny, but we need to unlock what God has for us by engaging with his word and becoming familiar with him and his voice. Some people are saying, God, would you, would you please speak to me? Church, he's spoken. He's spoken already. If you'd open up the word of God, you'd see the plans and the purpose that he has for your life. He's laid it out in full. And there'll be moments where the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you today and say, not him. He needs a better job. Uh, That's a dating reference, for example. Not that job, not that country. And we can rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and to lead in those moments. But we're not waiting for the audible Mufasa voice of God to guide and to lead us. God has spoken in his word. If you wanna hear God speak to you, open up your Bible. If you wanna stay spiritually immature, leave the Bible closed on your bedside table. Come to the grow course, please. We will help you. It is a, it is a journey. And we're not saying that everybody sitting here needs to study the word of God, but you know what? You can. Studying the Bible and growing in those truths is not limited for ministers and preachers. Anybody can do it. Secondly, God teaches that Jesus is the cornerstone of our life. Today, a great question to ask yourself is, what am I building on? What is getting all my energy? What is getting all my resource? What is getting all my emotional strength? Sometimes our families, which are amazing, but we've put them on the throne that only God can sit on. And when you do that, you put the pressure and responsibility of the King of Kings on a family that will never ever be able to handle that pressure. It will be so much better for your husband, so much better for your wife, so much better for your kids if the King is sitting on the throne. God, would you lead our family? Would you show us the way to go? We're gonna apply for these five schools. Would you get us into the school you want us to go in? Jesus is the cornerstone. I love planning. I love ambition. Let's have ambition for our lives. Let's dream big. But can it be built on the foundation of Jesus? 
the priestly duties. Is there a way I can show love to a lost world through this thing? Is there a way I can be connected to a body of believers where I can encourage and love and receive encouragement and love through these things? That we're a royal priesthood. We're a body, we're a family. You were not meant to do life alone. The worst moments in my life were the moments I isolated myself. And you wanna know the, the really sick cycle here, church, is that when we're caught in difficult moments or sinful moments and we feel guilty, what is the inclination of our hearts? It's to stay away. Man, when people have been caught up in hectic stuff, they stay away from the church because they feel, you know, the first, the first step I take into this building, I'm gonna get electrocuted. Man, if you've been caught up in something or stuck in something or you're watching online, you're staying away because you feel like God has forgotten about you. Let me tell you something, God is not mad at you. Humanity is, is fallen, it's sinful. We make mistakes, but God loves you. The purpose is still there. The calling is still there. Come back. Come to community. Be strengthened by the believers. Be strengthened by one another. Today, I don't know where you're at and which one of these points maybe need to land for you. Maybe for you, it's, I really need to get into my word. Maybe you've been building one way, building your way, and you need to bring Jesus back into the foundation of your life or Thirdly, maybe you haven't taken community as seriously as you should. It's the great thing about the Word of God is that it just illuminates things in our life. Sometimes we can view that as a negative thing, but I actually take it as a massive grace that when I read the Word and I feel like, ooh, that's a weak point for me. Today, can we walk away from this message not inspired by an idea, but changed by a Word? Peter wants to bring life. And today for each of us, let's not leave the building today without taking something from the Word of God. And I'd love to pray for our church. That's okay. Can we bow our heads? Lord, we thank you for your Word. God, we thank you that you're speaking to believers all over this morning. we thank you that the truth of your scripture pierces bone and marrow as much as we have been hiding or hiding away your word finds us where we are Lord I want to pray for this church right now everybody sitting in the building it's not a coincidence that they're here they think they just came here because they felt like it no, you, you knew they were going to be here Lord this word is for them God help us to take to heart what you're saying to us today. Help us to take steps of growth, to build on you the ultimate foundation and to connect to the body. And Lord, I really wanna pray if there's anybody here right now that is disconnected from faith, disconnected from the body, disconnected from you because of things that have happened. And below the surface, it just really doesn't feel like God cares anymore that God listens to prayers or that God loves them. God, the truth of your word says that you do love them. It says you listen to their prayers and says the way back into your presence is quite simple. 
is to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, who died a sinner's death on the cross, completely innocent, but three days later, He rose. And now He sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for each and every single one of us. If there is someone here today that feels disconnected, I wanna tell you right now that God is calling you back. He's calling you home. Your sin does not disqualify you. Your mistakes don't disconnect you. Right now, in a moment, the grace and the mercy of God let it flood into your hearts and flood into your mind. And let us take steps towards Him. So if there's anybody here today, saying, Phil, I'm, I look at my life, I look at how I've been living, and maybe it's one of these three areas. Or maybe quite simply, it's just, I, I have disconnected from Jesus, I've disconnected from faith. I'd love to pray for you this morning as you take a step back towards God. It's the best decision you could ever make. Jesus is calling you back. He runs towards you. He meets you as you are. The count of three, if there's anybody here today saying, Phil, I just want to reconnect. I want to reconnect to Jesus. I want to hand my life, my family, my work, my fears, my worries. I want to hand it over to Him. The burden is too heavy for me to carry. But Scripture says His burden is light and His yoke is easy. If there's anybody here today on the count of three, one, two, three. Just pop your hand up, wherever you are. Yeah, see that hand? I see that hand over there. Just keep your hand up for me, please. We've just got something. There's a hand at the back as well. Just please, we've just got something we want to pop in your hand. That's all. I just want to pray for you as well. Is there anybody else here? Say, Phil, that's me. This is your moment. Take, take, take your moment. Take the opportunity. If that's you, pop your hand up right now. If you're saying, I just want to reconnect, disconnected from faith. I want to take a step closer to God. There's a hand at the back there, back left. Is anybody else? This is your moment. Just pop your hand up. We just want to give you something. We want to walk with you. God is calling you back. He loves you. Is there anybody else? Pop your hand up. Fantastic. Father God, we thank you today, Lord. We thank you, God, that your word goes out and it doesn't return void. We thank you, Lord, for the book of 1 Peter. We thank you for the truths that are being unlocked in our lives. God, I pray for those who've made a decision to reconnect to you, God. God, help them to leave behind the things of the past and to step into the, the favor and the mercy and the grace of being in relationship with you, Lord. We thank you for this church. God, we thank you that the rest of 2023 is gonna be our best year yet, God. The best days are ahead of us, not behind us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we wanna close off this prayer by reading 2 Corinthians 4 one more time. We thank you for your word, Lord. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. God, we pray, let your life be revealed in our bodies. Let people see the light of Jesus Christ when they see us. Let us love a lost and a broken world and let us love and care for the people around us in this community. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. It's wonderful. Thank you so much, Phil. Hope you're encouraged by that word, church, this morning. That's what we need.
And uh, if you haven't just, if you haven't uh, gone through the pathway courses just yet, or you're on the way, I encourage you strongly, sign up for the next course that's starting in, in two weeks' time. It's gonna be online, and it's gonna help you to practically actually walk through that message. A lot of the time I'm like, Phil, plug the courses, plug the courses, because it's gonna help you exactly as he was teaching. So uh, make sure you do that. You can use your connection card this morning and fill it out and pop it in at the um, the new people's, new people, new to revive table outside. And then lastly, if you want to take a step of baptism today, uh, it's not too late. We can make room to baptize you. We have got shirts and things available so you can, you can just rock up, but uh, there's a way to do that. It's also just go to the um, new to view, new to, New to, we got to change the name of that. I'm sorry. Uh, new to Revive area outside. And um, Lara will be there to help give you all the details that you need to take the next step of baptism. We'd love to celebrate with you there. Guys, God bless you. We're going to close the service off now. But if you want prayer for anything, please come to the front and our team would love to pray for you. Everybody else, please connect. There's, some, there's many breakfast wraps and things upstairs, some coffee upstairs. And if you're here for the first time, upstairs as well. And there's a bunch of uh, coffee vouchers that you can collect there. Uh, so you can keep drinking coffee. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.